I have one question for you, and I need you to be brutally honest with me because uh, the entirety of this podcast relies on you being honest. So, like, the entirety brutal, like of brutal? this podcast relies on you being honest. Brutally honest or kindly honest? Did you or are you a part of anybody that won that $1.28 billion Mega Millions lottery? Mm. I need you to be very honest with me right now. Mm. Well, I would love to tell you. Don't like where this is going. That my good friends and I Mm -hmm. went and bought that ticket. Yeah. And that 25% of that money is mine. Nice. Which, but then makes me a little worried about you. Because then 12.5% of it is mine. (laughs) Because I look at you all the time and go, don't kill me. Like, don't send me to the home. Don't, do you know what I mean? Like Potentially. Yeah. And so, you know, right now there's just not enough motive for you to do that. I mean, the podcast, you need me alive for the podcast. But if you get 12.5% of my 25%, oh, that could change everything for you. Is there a yes or no coming or what's happening here? Yeah, can't win if you don't play. Okay. So here's here's what I figured. I figured you hadn't won. Those mostly here, because you didn't say you did. Those here, here's what I want to say though. Every time that happens, it has to hit the news or you know be on the internet somewhere for me to know. I don't know ever know what's going on with the lottery anywhere, okay? Well, sure, because the lottery in the state of Nevada is illegal because of gaming. We don't have right. lottery and we don't have scratcher tickets. Right. We can really only game with traditional slot machines or uh, table games, that's it. So you'd have to drive over to California to participate in the Mega Which, Millions. let's be honest, is maybe 10 miles away. And okay? we've done it before. And we've done it before. And there is a place, we know the exact place to go, but here's what happens in my mind. I say, oh my gosh, what are you doing late tomorrow afternoon? Drive over there and get a lottery ticket. Yeah. And then what? here's exactly what happens. I go- So does everybody else. Oh my God, the line is going to be like around the- the gas station over the river through the woods back. In, no, I yeah. won't stand in the line to do it. No, I agree with you. We've done it once before. Turns out, I mean, it's it's truly what they just call the poor man's tax, yeah, right? It is. It's the poverty it is. tax. It is. The, the chance you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning like five times than ever winning the lottery. But it is fun to think about <sighs> there is winning no the lottery. Better game than what would you do? And the. There was a winner. There was a winner, okay. a single winner wow. from a store in Illinois. Yep. The things that I love about the the lottery is that the place that sold the winning ticket, yep. half a million dollars out the door. Good for them. And then it's up to the lottery winner to decide whether or not they get to tip on top of that. Ah, oh, okay. So tipping is appropriate when you win the lottery. I think so. Oh, wow. That's what I've well, listen, been loosely told. If you're talking about billions of dollars, I'm happy to tip. And here's what I'm wondering is, can I tip before I tax? That's True. my question. So then the other fun game to play is lump sum or yeah. annuity, right? Lump sum is yeah. they take everything out of it, all the yeah. taxes, it pretty you pretty much get like 60% of it, which yeah. is still a lot of money. Yeah. And then it's all yours. Yeah. And that's usually for people if they're older, right? Because the annuity is paid out over 30 years. Yeah. And you do end up getting more money, but you get it in small chunks. Now, granted. Well, there's much better tax implications to do it that way. I said 1.28. They said that 1.28 was the original belief, but once the final tally of purchase tickets came in, it was more like 1.36. Billion. Billion. Yeah. So I found the... uh, 
Mega Millions payout calculator. Oh gosh! And I want to de- I want us to go over how we would want to do this. Okay. okay? Now here's what I want to know. And I set it for the state of Illinois. Is there a caveat for? Um, do we know if I took the thirty year thing? Do I get to leave anything? Like, do you get the rest of it, or is it? Am I cut off? Like, if I die, I don't get the rest of it. Is it part of my estate? Uh, like, do you pass it on to generations? Right. Uh, well, I mean, then I think that just becomes a traditional. Just part of my estate. It's right. just an investment. Okay, right. great. Yeah, there's no. But the state of Illinois set, or the state, whoever, Mega Millions is in charge of it. Correct. Yeah, that's what makes me nervous. Okay, so $1.36 billion yeah. in the state of Illinois. The yeah. lump sum cash option. Okay, go. All right. The gross payout, 61% of the jackpot. Yeah. Gets you $829 million. All at once. It's all yours. Yeah. Put it in the bank. Yeah. The federal tax paid is 24%. So $199 million. See ya. Just go straight to Uncle Sammy. And I'm going to say to Joe, do something good with it. Sure. Yeah. Then the Illinois taxes that are paid is about 5% at $41 million. Okay. We don't have that, but go ahead. And then the net payout after taxes. So this is... You get your jackpot yeah. total, and then yeah. you have to pay your own taxes on right. top of it, right? So whatever so, tax bracket yeah. I'm in. These are Illinois taxes. You're, I think they just probably put like middle of the road. You're you're in the bank when it's all said and done. Yeah. You wake up in the next morning, and it's like, now this is your money. Right. Is $589 million. Okay. So that's your option. Yeah. Or you can do the annuity payout. Yeah. So your gross pay is $1.36 billion, right? right? They're not chopping anything off the top. Your federal taxes paid are still 24%, so you're losing 326 mil. Illinois, 5%, you're losing 67 mil. But your payout over time is $966 million. You're almost doubling the number if you mm. get it as an annuity as opposed to a lump sum, to which then everybody would say, oh, so is it much easier spending $589 million than it is spending yeah. $966 million. But the crazy part is they, they withhold- But it's the 966 divided by 30, right? Years. Yes. Okay. But what's funny is year one- I have to see what that is. Go ahead. You're making $14.5 million, right? Ah, so now, so oh, now okay. you're That's in the- That's what I wanted to yeah, see. Now you're in the, the mid-range NBA player. Okay. And they backload the hell out of it because you're 30, the yeah. final payment- it's $60 million. Ah. So again, I'm not sitting here being like, oh, you're only getting $14.5 million yeah. to start. Yeah. But you're pretty much getting triple that at year 30, which I would be in my late 60s at that point. So I think for me at this point, uh, I might not even be alive. But- I mean, you could still be collecting checks at, you know- Oh, for sure. 98. But first of all, you know me. Am I going to plow through $500 million or whatever it is in a lump sum? I wouldn't think so. But I also have people who the lotteries ended really poorly for them. I know. So there is something to be said. And, and some people would say that for $14 million the first year, yeah. that this also could be done. Right? Correct. Do you know what I mean? Let's like, let's work on a budget. <laughs> a budget. And then you still, well, yeah, right. <laughs> let's budget this 14.5 out. Yeah. And that's, but that's like with taxes. That's the net payout. Yeah. So like, so like the, everybody in our family gets a new yeah, house. Yeah. Everybody, I don't mean extended relatives, you people all go away. So what's hilarious about this is there are so many people, and I just have some people highlighted here who have won like 
large amounts of money. Right. Only to end up dead, only to I end know. up destitute. And there was there was one guy who he was oh yeah, he 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 was this was in Britain actually. People would just come up to him and ask for money. Yeah. No, I've but heard just that's a thing like straight yeah. up ask him for money and they'd be like, Okay. Sure. And just cut a check spot on like oh, strangers. No. You've got to say no. No. I mean, I think the first thing you have to do, first of all, you and I have never known that kind of money or had to deal with that kind of wealth. Unfamiliar. Ever. And so. Well, that's not fair. The podcast makes about $15 million a well, year. Well, there's that. But we haven't touched it. But we haven't it. touched it. No. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think the first thing you have to do is surround yourself with people, legitimate people that know about that kind of money. Correct? Yep. I mean, and that can tell you, I want to say the implication of every spend, uh-huh. if you will. I also think that the first thing you have to do when you have that kind of money is you have to pick something that is near and dear to your heart. And that is the thing you give to philanthropically, philanthropically, because then, because then that's your go-to that you say, look, I can't choose everything and everybody. This is what I've chosen. Yeah. And I'm behind this thing a hundred percent. And then you really make a difference in some charity, right? By being or a big start donor your own thing. or start your own thing. I mean, like I say, I think all that stuff needs to be near and dear to your heart, yeah. right? So I think like that's one of the first things you do. Because I think as soon as you do that, you, you're beginning to use the money for good, if you will. Sure. Okay? And then I think the things that people forget, this is the thing now, and people can disagree with me on this wholeheartedly, but, you know, I'm older than you are. I've lived longer. I've worked more. I mean, what I'm going to do for myself I do not have to do for you. What do you mean? Like well, if you buy yourself a new car, that doesn't mean right. you have to buy me a new well, car. Well, or if I buy myself wild thinking. If I buy myself a, a fifty thousand dollar car and I do want to buy you a car, I don't have to buy you a fifty thousand sure. dollar car. Okay. And I think people lose track of that piece of it, right? Do you know what I mean? Like I was the one that won it, and I don't mean this in like a selfish way. I do think like if you're able to help your children, that's grand. Sure. But I also really believe that children need to know how to work sure. and manage their own money. So, and I also, I've always said this to you, um, you know, you when you were little, you were always like, I'm going to live in the neighborhood with you. Do you know what I mean? And I was right. <laughs> we didn't expect it this way. But you know, the question becomes, well, sweetie, can you afford our neighborhood? Sure. Do you know what I mean? So I do feel think that people forget those kinds of things. Does that make sense? I Uh mean, you want to do, you want to buy a nice house for your folks. Well, that's great, but buy them something nicer than what they are, that that, what they're in that is paid for and lovely and suits them. But I think people get out of control with it. So there's a list of things that they say you should do when you win the lottery. Okay. Okay. Now, granted, this is probably more for like you know, in the tens of millions of dollars of range, yep. not the billions of dollars. First thing is, and this will just, this is a, a glimpse into the lottery life that we don't know. Avoid the scams. Like, I think if you, oh, I yeah. think if you sign up, if you play the lottery, if you sign up for lottery stuff, I think your, your information is everywhere because they have like, you get discounts on lottery tickets if you provide information. And of course we know that databases get yeah. hacked and they sell to third parties. Nobody will ever reach out to you from like mega millions. That is not yeah. a thing. You, yeah. you in fact have to go submit the ticket to mega millions. Right. And only then does that activate the craziness that is winning the lottery. So avoid the scams. Okay. Avoid the scams, Deb, next time you play the lottery well, and win. That, and I want to say if you win, 
Like you, I think you've got to disappear. I think you've got to disappear off of social media. Well, so everywhere. then the next thing is get professional advice. So yep. once you've avoided the scammers, yep. talk to a lawyer. Say, yep. I have $1.36 billion coming my way because I bought a $20 ticket. Yeah. And I need to be as safe. I need my family to be safe. I need somebody representing me. I need you to get me in touch with a financial advisor. I need you to get me in touch with the bank. Like all of these different things. And you need to have make sure that that person well, is upstanding and trustworthy it's as well. Not, and by the way, it's not the guy that came knocking on your door. Never. It's it's the people that you have heard about from time and eternity that have a well-established, trustworthy reputation. And the next thing is to keep the ticket safe. Yeah. They recommend that you make photocopies of the ticket, but then the, the physical ticket, yep. you do whatever you need to do to keep it safe because you literally need to present the physical mm. ticket. I think, like, literally, I think this. I think you don't tell a living soul. Well, so you're, I know you keep jumping up ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. So you keep that ticket safe because that priceless piece of paper yeah. is now worth $1.36 billion. So you can't let it go. And all it's right? the thing that gets you the money, right? I mean, like, whoever that, has possession. That, that is the ticket yeah. of entry. Yeah. And then the most important thing is protect your privacy. Some states do not require you to be named yeah. as the lottery winner. Yeah. You get total anonymity if you choose it. Now, the mega millions and and lotteros in general want those people out front because it's relatable. Right. They want to see that there's an actual person here. They want it to be like a grandma or a grandpa. They want it to be their target demographic, right? Somebody whose life is enormously changed by this. Because they want you to see yourself right. in them. You couldn't pay me enough. You couldn't double my lottery winnings to have me do that. Oh, me either. I mean, I would be like, and in fact, if anyone leaks my name, I'm going to own you. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, seriously. It's like, change your phone number yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Change your email address. Right, Like, get ahead of all of that stuff because it's going to be a literal tsunami of people just reaching out, inquiring. And then the other thing is, have a plan. I don't know how you can plan for having $900 million over the yeah. course of 30 years, but you, you, it's more than, oh, well, let's go on a yacht or let's yeah. go buy a house. It's okay. Once we're taken care of financially, once our houses are paid off, our cars are paid off, we've maybe taken the trips that we've always dreamed about. We've helped family members. We set a cap on all of that. Now the rest of this money comes in as a means, like as a version of a salary, yep. whatever we're doing. And then the rest of it is deposited, invested, put into your philanthropic endeavors, help rebuild a school in Africa, whatever it is. Like you need a very set plan because this person is now like rarefied air. This person is on, on you know, the same wavelength as, you know, serial entrepreneurs, people yeah. who created social media platforms, all of these great things. You are in that air now and you need to Act like it. I mean, I get to go to all the places that I'm going to say George Clooney and Mark Zuckerberg go. Yeah. I mean, I get to stay at those totally. places, you know. I do think, um, but here's one thing that I want to say too. So here's the real question. Uh -huh. If you have a job that you really like, do you keep your job? I better really like that job. I mean. How could you go into work if you were somebody's subordinate the next day? Well, I mean, but here, here's the only thing. I mean, I don't know, but there's certainly pieces of my job I like. Yeah. Um, maybe I would say, hey, 
these Zooms I'm not showing up for anymore. But, you know, yeah. there's piece that really pieces of my job I like. And I do think that people get in trouble because they don't have a purpose anymore. That's, I mean, I agree. Your your purpose, if you decide not to work your nine to five anymore, has to be whatever you're planning on doing with that money. Right, In right. a good way. In because good that way. can be yeah. your entire thing, yeah. right? But I mean, if that's not, if give back's not your thing or you don't have an, any endeavors or you just want to cut fat checks, I don't see a problem working. So Kev, let me ask you a question. Mm. You're a sort of young single guy. Are you going to make your future wife sign a prenup? Yeah, that's all my money. <laughs> yeah, she didn't. She didn't win the lottery. I won the lottery. She won the lottery oh, by when she you. married me. <laughs> Let's start the podcast. Welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. One is a Harvard Business School alum. The other is her son, discussing business, pop culture, family, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Deb and Kev. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. Sitting right there, every day she tells me she won the lottery the day I was born. <laughs> it's my mom, Deb. I'm Deb. And that makes me the human embodiment of mo money, mo problems. <laughs> I'm her son, Kev, and this is our podcast. On today's show, in her business segment, Deb is going to show you how to show your team how much you value them. And then, would you rather play, would you rather, or would you rather play, would you rather? And we will cash in this episode's ticket by telling you what's for dinner and what we're thankful for. But first, I got a really bad sunburn. Well, it was really bad. Like, I couldn't even tell you the last time I had been sunburned, let alone sunburned to the point where within three days, my skin was that of a lizard. Mm. and was actively trying to separate from my body. It was disgusting. This could be the moment that you age right now. Crossed my mind every minute of every day. <laughs> I thought to myself, you were so good yeah. for so long. Yeah. You, you use all the creams. You use yeah, all the good. lotions. Yep. If you could, you would sleep in a bathtub of aloe. Of aloe. Yep. And here you go. Like When somebody comes to me, when I go to a doctor's appointment, and in 15 years, they're like, so. That's a melanoma. You have melanoma. Yeah. I'm going to be like, oh, no, I know. Yeah, uh, I know. That is not a surprise. I can give you the exact date and time. Yep, that's exactly. I, well, when you told me, because you do, Kevin is super, well, it makes me laugh and it makes me still feel, I guess, needed as his mother uh -huh. when something like this goes wrong and you reach out and like, I got sunburned. Yeah, and of course, so bad. Immediately, I'm not super sympathetic. I'm like, well, did you put suntan spf 50 or you know whatever would have been the right thing yeah well yes did you go in the water yeah. yes did you reapply it after nope nope here's the problem i know that at our elevation i need to constantly be putting yeah. on sunscreen I, i'm not like a tanner guy like i don't go out just to get brown i think i maybe picked that up by osmosis with you like you're not just going out and like lounging in the backyard right. and getting tan right same thing for me. So when I go outside or I go to a pool or I go to the lake, I put on sunscreen. And because we're so close to the sun here, I put it on like every 20 minutes. Like yeah. people have watched me go through an entire can for one day yeah. being out at the lake. I just made the mistake of putting on the sunscreen and then immediately getting into the water. And then because I was in the water, 
I thought it was safe. Oh no, the water is the least safe place in the world. It acts as a mirror. It's a reflection. It's reflecting back up to me. It's like you holding one of those uh, aluminum things. I have had my face peel. I have had inside my nose peel. I have had around my lips peel. Mm. I have had my chest peel, my shoulders peel, my back peel, my neck peel. Has your scalp peeled? I don't think so because my hair is too thick for it to peel. (laughs) I have this weird side here. The tops of my feet were burned oh, that's and the are worst. still burned. And then the worst part is when you put on socks thinking yeah. you're fine. And then you walk around and those socks are restricting the burn. And all you want to do is cut your foot off. Yeah. I mean, even the flip-flop thing can hurt. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you, it was the worst burn I've ever had because from the time I got burned yeah. to a week later, yeah. I had gone through the entire experience. I had aloed, I had lotioned, I had reapplied 17 times a day. I had watched it go. I had watched it go from like kind of red to angry red to you are putting out magma style heat yeah. from your body. Then it calmed down. Then I was like, then there was a day, a nice day where I was nice and brown. I was a little brown bunny. Yeah, you looked as cute as can be. Very next day started peeling. I stood in the shower with cold water and just started sloughing off skin. Oh. Huge, gross portions of skin. Did that fulfill a little thing in me? Sure did. Sure did. Loved that part. (laughs) And now we're just kind of dealing with some like loose top level skin. Tiny flaky things. I mean, listen, you know, after I find out what you did, I'm not sympathetic until I go through the talk that says, Hey baby, are you taking care of the temple? Right. Because for nine months I took perfect care of the temple. Mm -hmm. I made an investment. 38 years ago. (laughs) And you should be taking care of the temple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and don't forget those ears, those little floppy ears of yours, right? Somehow they, those were fine. How How is that? Makes no sense. Makes Somehow, no sense. Absolutely fine. Everywhere else, skin. I used to, it would be the last thing before you would get away from me when you were little. Come back so I can yeah. do your ears. Maybe that's yeah. the one, maybe that's where I like dial it in. I'm like, yeah. nope, these bad boys are going to be fine. Everywhere yeah. else, fair game. Oh my gosh, Kev. Speaking of burns. Yeah. We've been waiting three months for it, and it finally came. Okay. Will Smith's apology to Chris Rock. Now, six minutes. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. I I won't say this. I'm not going to, I'm never going to criticize somebody for apologizing. No. Ever. I just think this. Maybe we are a little. Well, I think the setup was weird because it was clearly professionally done. Yeah. Multiple camera angles. Yeah. There was, like, there was. He was clearly reading questions, right? Because well, he read. I think he was clearly reading answers too. I don't think he was clearly reading answers, but he was reading the questions, and it was in my brain. It was like the questions were a hundred feet away, so he couldn't yeah. even really see them. Like, did nobody share those with him before they they planned to do this? Uh, so here's how I and felt. he read them as if he could not read. Okay, so he read the questions, but I felt like there were actually a couple things that I I thought that he did that was um, inappropriate is way too strong of a word, but that I thought was a miss, a little bit of a miss. Uh But uh, the answers were so well rehearsed. Oh, see, I didn't think they were at all. Oh, I think they were. I thought he for sure was given the questions. Yeah. And then they said, well, just kind of talk through what you think you're going to say, but we'll ultimately leave it unscripted. Because he would see in the, my interpretation and why I'm not going to knock him is how many times have we seen the celebrities, political figures, yeah. people in the spotlight, either read from a paper, yeah. with no emotion or say something so well rehearsed. Yeah. It is stripped of any authenticity. 
I thought he certainly knew what he was going to say for sure, but it didn't feel terribly practiced to me. Okay. I mean, I would say in the beginning, in the very, very beginning, I felt a little bit like, is he on something, meaning like an antidepressant or something like that? Or like, you know, a little Xanax, because it was hard to find the Will Smith we know in that, though it was a serious subject. So you right? could argue that you're looking at the Will, the real Will Smith at this point. Of course. Well, who knows? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the truth. And that's going to be our job and his job mm-hmm. to reacquaint ourselves with him. You know, you did see some of the Will Smith we know more towards the end. There were yeah. a few little chuckles mm-hmm. and some, I'm going to say, self-deprecating humor. Do you know what I mean? And some stuff like that. You know, here's here's the hard part about knowing or not knowing what's true. You know, the fact that, you know, he said he reached out to Chris. I mean, Chris has pretty much emphatically said that that hasn't happened. Now, I don't know that we have the most current information from Chris, right? Uh, yeah, I think all that we all that news we received was within the first like 10 days. Yeah. And it's been three months. Yeah. So I- I'm willing to say when something like that happens and the emotions are still high, as the perpetrator, you probably don't feel comfortable reaching out because it's still too fresh. Right. And as the victim, you wouldn't want that within the first 10 days because right. it doesn't feel real. I would. Im- I have to believe that if you're going to publicly say, as well-crafted as this was, that you reached out to Chris, you have the receipts yeah. of having reached out to Chris because the last thing you need is Chris Rocks camp being like, no point. Well, and that happened at the very beginning where yeah. they said they reached out and Chris Rocks camp said that did not happen, right? So um, what do I think? I mean, it's been... Three months, mm-hmm. right? Um, is three months long enough? I mean, like, I don't know. What did he really lose? Right. I mean. Well, nothing. Nothing. He he lost fake invitations to a thing he could still attend. Yep. And he, well, th- I think he could still win. Right. And uh, it looks like a couple of movie deals were put on hold. Sad. Yeah, su- super sad. So uh, also, too, I think that, listen. He gets to choose 100%. He gets to choose um, what dirty laundry he airs and what mm-hmm. he doesn't. In In the end, this is on him. I do think that the general public sees some issues with the whole, I'm going to say, Will Smith family persona thing. Sure. Like, that's a thing. What's ironic is they could be a great family of the time. Right. Like they, right. The way they operate, the way they think just the, like the ambiguity with everything. Like they could be a great representation of a modern day family if there wasn't just this thick layer of narcissism over everything. Well, exactly. I mean, and and, and here's the thing I think like, you know, he can say, and, and here's where, here's the thing that I think it's, I don't know that I get to say that he doesn't get to say, okay? I'm not in the limelight like that every single day. Uh, you do go to the Oscars frequently though. Frequently. And I am not in a position where... I have to be very careful because every single thing that comes out of my mouth is being assessed. Every look on my face, every little action of my hand, right? He is, and his children were born into that and his wife is part of that. So I look back at the way, I mean, you know, the son tweeted some stuff that I thought was totally inappropriate in the beginning. It is crazy to me that people in their camp didn't manage it better like the out partying crazy stuff that we saw, like you can say you were fuzzy. You can say it was emotional. You can say, I didn't know, but you didn't know. Jada didn't know. Your manager didn't know. 
your kids didn't know, like, really, you all lost your minds that yeah. night? Because that was crazy. I, I think there was two things that stood out to me from the apology was, of course, he was going to talk about Jada, which I would say this. If you didn't want us to think it was linked to Jada, don't mention Jada. Exactly. Just keep it all about yourself. Yeah. Because now I think because you had to mention it, there was a tie Jada to it. Jada is part of this. For sure. For sure. And we, I mean, I think it's been well documented. Chris Rock has had jokes at the Smith's expense before. I think they were even more tasteful than whatever this joke was. Right, right. And it's still nothing that would have lent itself to physical violence, right? right? But then the other thing that I thought was really telling about him as the human is he said his central trauma is disappointing people, which you have been in the limelight for 30 plus years, both as a musician and as an actor and now as an Academy Award winning actor. I can't fathom that you still care what the outside world thinks. I can't fathom that because you don't live with the normalcy of the outside world. You have lived for 30 years. His career has been nothing but apex. Like he has had bad movies, but Will Smith is like Will Smith. The entire world has adopted him. He's well loved. Loved. And so to me, it's kind of like, okay, I can totally still believe that you are a human being and you have all of your faults and all of your triggers and all of the things that keep you up at night that where you wish you could be better. Totally agree. Disappointing people. Like, so you're, you're, you're sad that you disappointed people who you'll never meet, never see. Because I feel like he should have said, I'm sad. I disappointed my friends. I'm sad. I disappointed my family. I'm sad. I disappointed the, the acting community. I'm sad. I disappointed Chris rock in his family. He made it sound like he was sad that he disappointed the fans. And it's like, the, all everybody will always get over that. But the immediacy right. of, your, of your life, I would have, I guess I would have a, a, a preferred to him say, I've always had problems with disappointment in my life. I never wanted to be a disappointment to anybody. And now with the entire world to see, I disappointed everybody that's cared about me, everybody that's helped me, every single person that has invested time and effort into Will Smith, I failed that day miserably to the likes of which nobody ever probably has or will again. But he just made it sound like, well, I just disappointed people. Here's the thing that I take issue with that is kind of a weird thing. We see this play out in politics a lot. It plays out differently in sports, differently in entertainment. But since Will Smith did that, how many incidents have we had of where crazy people have gone up on stage now? Enough. And enough. He opened a door to something. That's the part that I want him to acknowledge. He opened Pandora's box, in a sense, to an issue where now he has made it, made all comedians a little bit nervous, a little bit afraid. He's made club owners have to bring in extra security. There's just a thing now that has happened with the intimacy of stand-up, right? Because it's very intimate, even if it's a large crowd. Um, that he alone perpetrated. He did it. He was the perpetrator. It's not like he allowed it. He did it. He is the same as the guy that brought the gun in on stage. He's the same as the people that try to get up there now and punch somebody or slap somebody, whether it's for humor or whether it's for some other reason. That is like you have successfully changed the course of this river in the most negative way, like, dude, 
how do you apologize for that? And how do you undo that? And how do you take responsibility for that? Apologize to comedians like Deb and I. Yeah, for sure. At Uh, least to me. Listen, I was going to go get on stage. She was. That was going to be my next thing. The next night she was. I was ready to do stand-up. Yeah. I'd gotten my courage. Not now, because if I'm going to get slapped or knocked down, I mean, forget that. Killed a career before it even started. Killed a career before it started. But I think that's one thing. I also think, like, I don't know. I don't know if it is him. I don't know if it's Jada. I don't know if it's the manager. I just think, like, who's ever giving them good advice? It's not very good advice. Well, I did love that he was wearing his Will Smith-branded Baseball cap. Yeah, exactly. Which is like, oh yeah, let's hawk some some apparel while we're here. Let's just wear a hat with nothing on it, right? Sure. And then there was that water bottle positioned right next to it when they did the the wide shot. Yeah. To which I could see it. I could see what it said on it. So like, are we now, are we branding this? Yeah. Because we know it's going to get millions of views. I mean, it's weird. All of that stuff is weird. It's like the last person that should be interviewing him, like I've always said, is Jada. Right. Because she gets to guide the conversation however they've predetermined it to be guided, right? Mm-hmm. She gets to determine his comfort or discomfort level. I mean, let's just take it straight to somebody that will ask the hard questions, right? I guarantee, that, that, I guarantee, and we can wrap this up with this, that was the canary in the coal mine, and somebody is mining the responses to, yep. see, how, to see how it went. I think as far as apologies go, it was better than most. Still not perfect, but yeah. better better than most. And I think all they were hoping for, all they were hoping for is to crack the door open a little bit for him to take a step into the public light just a little bit, whether that's a controlled interview with somebody from Good Morning America, whether that's some like Dateline special, yeah, yeah, something along those lines to how long should we wait before we do a second iteration of this? Yeah. Because it's going to happen. We oh, all know sure. it's going to no, happen. No, this is the... This is the soft launch. Indeed. This this is the preamble. I mean, there is a plan in place now. Oh yeah. There is data Strate- it's been strategized. That says at 90 days we can do this, at 120 days we can do that. I mean, you haven't seen the kids, you haven't seen anybody. Yep. Do you know what I mean? I'm with so you. it's going to be this slow unfolding. I mean, that's very well scripted. It's a choreographed scene. We'll see how they do. And I think we can all agree that Will Smith's value has taken a hit. But Deb is going to talk to us in her business segment about looking at your staff and saying unto them, I appreciate you and I appreciate your value and I want to be able to show that to you. Deb, how does one do that? So one of the things that we talk about here a lot is doing employee reviews, sitting down, really talking to people about their performance Mm -hmm. and, you know, that it shouldn't be a once a year thing. If it's a once a year thing that it could be loaded with all sorts of surprises, surprises are bad. I mean, unless it's a birthday surprise or a Christmas surprise, Hanukkah surprise, other than that, surprises are bad. So one of the things I think, and I try consciously to do this with a team is, and I'm going to say for me, formally, it's kind of like once a quarter. When I say formally, it means that I made the decision. It can be in a casual setting. It could be over coffee. It could be at the end of a conversation, at the end of a Zoom, just checking in with somebody. But it's formal for me in that it's on my calendar, okay? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that I try to do, and this is ongoing, is really get to know the person. Like, I mean, really get to know them. Know what their goals are, know what their 
I mean, personal goals are, their professional goals are, know where their weaknesses are, understand the challenges they're facing, I want to say at home, at work, just really get to know them. Because the more that you get to know them, I know there are people that I think, ah, she's a ball buster. She's going to go for this. She's really good. This person, if she listens to this, is going to know exactly who I'm talking about. And I mean, remember at one point when it came to execution, she was so freaking nice all the time. And I finally said to her, listen, I see you as a ball buster. And I don't mean like in a mean way. I mean, in a little, like really positive ball buster way. Yeah. But I said, uh, you got to take this nice girl and Tell her night night, tuck her in, put her in bed. Tell her we'll let her know when we yeah. need her. We'll wake right? you up. We'll wake you up. Like you don't have to stay there forever, but I need that more assertive person, yeah. you know, to show up. So I think we, unless we really get to know them, I would have just literally thought this person was a ball buster, and I wouldn't have realized on the execution part she was always going to default to extreme um, kindness where maybe the message got diluted a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to take that and we need to be a little bit different. I mean, that's the way I think I really help her. I think the other part is making developmental conversations routine. So often when you say to employees, hey, what is the next thing you'd like to learn? What is the next thing you'd like? Is there anything you want to take off my plate? Is there anything you want to take off anybody's plate in between you and I? Like, tell me your area of interest. I don't think they always know, and I don't think we always know. And so I love the exploration of that because I think there's some real surprises in that conversation. Yeah. Like people will real, and I'll even say to people, not that I can do anything about it. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But is there something in your job description on your desk that you go, I'm really getting sick of that? Yeah. Or I really hate it. I mean, I can't always take it away. Sometimes it's part of your job. But sometimes I can redefine it or amend it a little bit so that it's more palatable for you. And knowing that, then we can look on finding the things that are really, really attractive to you mm-hmm. from a de- developmental and growth perspective, right? Totally. So, you know, the first one is getting to know them. The second one is really having those developmental conversations about where they want to go, what they want to do, and do they feel like they're on their way there. And then the last one, and I think this is the one that's forgotten most often. Dun, dun, dun. Nobody keeps track of the conversation, including the person and the boss. There's no casual minutes being had. <laughs> There's, you, it's just like you have the conversation. You go, great. I love that idea. I want to do that for you. And forget it the second the conversation's over. Uh-huh. And you forget that you've actually agreed to execute on something. And if you have trust with that person, they're trusting you to actually do something with them. Also too, it may be that the ball is in their court with whatever you decided. And that sometimes they forget that too. They get back to the daily routine. So I would say, put a little accountability thing in there for both of you. Because if I say to somebody, I want to expose you to this part of the business because I think you'd be great and you've shown an interest and I think it would make your job more exciting, then, I mean, that's only good news. And the the worst thing in the world is that we have this great, uplifting, motivating, inspiring conversation about it and then nothing happens. Well, so that was going to be my question is, you know, both parties are at fault because nobody, I mean, the employee more often than not remembers the conversation, but even then they remember it, how they of course. Needed to remember of course. it. And the boss, depending on how many employees you have, will generally, generally 
kind of somewhat remember the tone of the conversation, maybe not everything that's spoken about, especially if it's a spur of the moment conversation and not, not a orchestrated sit down on the calendar style yeah. conversation. Right. So is it important to have like these conversations once a quarter? Is it important to have them every six months? We agree that one year is far too long. Do you just have like a standing thing once a month where it's just a catch up where like it's no holds barred. We can talk about anything and everything. And sometimes we have a lot to talk about. Sometimes we don't. And the conversation could be 15 minutes or it can be an hour. I mean, how do you make sure that you as a boss are setting yourself up to not let the, the the things that you promise in a conversation or the things that you allude to in a conversation not fall through the cracks. Because for instance, if somebody has been with the business for nine months and they're, a, they're just killing it, they're rocking, they've been there past the 90 days, they understand everything, people are coming to them for help. And you say to, and you said to them like at the six month mark, Hey, if you continue this way, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to get a pay grade, uh, a pay bump in grade. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to have a different title. But then there's no time frame on that. Right, right. How do you like as the boss, do you actually remember having that conversation because the employee does? The employee's going to remember that 10 times out of 10. In that particular conversation where really something was very specific like you just said, I, I am famous for putting it in my phone, just going forward and putting a couple, like maybe a three-month mark, a six-month mark, like, is this happening? Just as a reminder to myself. But I do think we have to have some consciousness about it as well. Like I had told somebody recently, there were some, uh, a person that works for me owns a little tiny bit of some HR stuff, and she does a really good job with it. And then after that, she passes it off to somebody else. So we were talking about, is it really necessary for her to pass it off? I mean, with the right training, she could absolutely do it. And is she interested in doing it? And those conversations are a little tougher, but you know, yeah, she could do it. So we talked about, we want to grow her in that arena. That was a recent conversation. So fast forward two weeks, only two weeks. And uh, she tells me about a situation where she's working with somebody with a client, she's doing this and that. And now she's going to get this other person involved and I said, okay. And then I said, wait a minute, didn't we say you were going to? And she goes, oh, yeah. And I said, okay, get her involved, but be on the Zoom with her. This is the beginning of your learning. You get to ask to be on all those calls and Zooms if you want to be Copy. so that you can begin to learn. Now, in that situation, we literally both forgot, right? We both forgot that two weeks ago, and I think to your point, that's how fast that stuff can happen, For sure. right? So I do think whether you send them an email afterwards, whether you make notes for yourself, you need to make it top of mind so that as quickly as possible, you can execute on it. Now, for me, I don't want to wholly be in charge of that. I want them to be in charge of it too. So I was really lucky, remembered it. We both went, oh, yeah, 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 we said that. And then now I dumped it on her. You you are permanently invited. You can join in on all of those things. And I said to her, when you think you're ready to begin to own it, tell me. Bring me in on it, and I'll make sure that happens. So I do think it is that back and forth, meaning I am not responsible for somebody else's growth. Sure. But they are also not responsible alone for their own growth either, right? I mean, it takes both of us. Yeah, I mean, because... I mean, 
you, you are nothing more than a gardener and they're the plant. Like right. if you let it grow, it's going to grow how it's going to grow. And if you need it to grow in a certain way, right, then it's your job to tend to it. Right. That was right. a great metaphor. Great metaphor. Great. Kat. Love it. Metaphor. It was a great metaphor. By me. Yeah. Someone should pay me $1.36 billion. Um, I, I Value is such a big word, right? And, and people interpret that so different because- you know, how you view yourself as valuable is different than somebody else and their skill sets and all that kind of stuff. And I have to imagine that when you are stoking that value within an individual, you want to make sure that you're stoking the right piece of it. You know what I'm saying? Meaning like if, if you're, if you're applauding them for something that they themselves aren't necessarily like fond of that they do, Mm -hmm. or if you're, if you're like seeing a path for them that they themselves don't actually want to walk down, you need to be really aware of that so that so that that level of growth that area of growth is both mutually beneficial to you and them because if you're like no i see you know this mid management role for you where you can have three or four employees underneath you and you know you and i can be more collaborative but they're like oh i don't ever want to be in charge of anybody right you need to know that oh for sure i mean and i do think i mean part of the responsibility that comes with leadership is always telling the truth mm-hmm. right so if somebody says to me, I want to be in charge of these presentations, and I'm looking at that person thinking, they can't talk to three people sitting at a table without getting nervous. Right. How are they going to be in charge of those presentations right. in front of potentially 50, 100, 200 people, right? So I owe it to say to them my, my observation. So I'm kindly saying it appears that you get nervous mm-hmm. when we're sitting at a table with three people. And the spotlight is on you. Like, how is it you're going to get up with a microphone and really, you know, because sometimes people have that thing where it's like a dreamscape for them, but they're never going to be able to execute on it. That's true. I know I could be a world-class musician. Right. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to go play Carnegie Hall tomorrow. Well, listen, I have said this before. Though I, I probably could. Since I was a little girl, I've wanted to play the piano. I mean, it's a thing. I There's took, still time. I took piano lessons in college. I'm the worst. Yeah. Like Are I, you just not like, uh, there's no dexterity, not ambidextrous? No, like, you know how you have to have your hands think I different? think I'm super ambidextrous. I think I'm not musically inclined. Oh. You know? Tone deaf? I, n- not even that. It's me, like, me, 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 me. the music means nothing to me on paper. Oh, you just can't read music? I can't read music. Oh, got it. So... Can you teach me something to memorize on a keyboard? Yeah. Yes, but that's not piano playing. Right, that's memorizing. That, and it's called chopsticks in the end, right? Or heart and soul, right? Love whatever. Love heart and soul. Um, what? Love heart and soul. Love heart and soul. I know. We all know heart and soul, yeah. right? So, I mean, but that's the extent of my right. piano We all playing. saw the movie Big. Yes. Yeah. And so I can want that. I have apparently tried it. I don't have the talent for it. Right. And nobody can nurture it into you. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody can nurture it into me. I'm so sad about that. But that's where leadership, it demands that we tell the truth with that. I think we give them the opportunity, right? Whatever the version of taking piano lessons in college is, we give them the opportunity. And if it doesn't pan out, then the difference between me doing that in college and making my own decision is that somebody else has to intercede and say... Mm, no, no, no. Would you rather five? Would you rather's Deb? You have to answer correctly or you will be exiled from the podcast. Are you ready? Yeah. Would you rather 
wear someone else's dirty underwear for a week or would you rather use their toothbrush for a week? Now, I'm assuming that this dirty underwear is not like I haven't changed my underwear in a year and I have Crohn's disease, okay? I'm assuming it's like, hey, I wore this underwear for like a month. Okay. I'm hi- a long time. I'm hygienic, but like, yeah. hey, there's just things that in happen. In my underwear. Right, yeah. in my yeah. undies. Yeah. There's some sweat. Yeah. Maybe I didn't fully jiggle jaggle yeah. while I was at the urinal. Yeah. I'd like to think I keep my b-hole pretty clean, but hey. You never know. Never know. Could be little runners in there. And then there's just the toothbrush that goes in somebody's mouth. So here's the thing with the toothbrush. This It's all a mental game. Do you agree? Between That's the all life and the is, toothbrush. is a mental game. Here's the thing with the toothbrush. And I know this is all a mental game, but I could take your toothbrush, for instance, and know like, ugh, he's been brushing his teeth with this. But if I get scalding hot water, mm-hmm. and I'm not even opposed to putting some soap on the toothbrush and rinse, 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 I have successfully convinced myself now it's a clean toothbrush and I'm okay. And then once I brush my teeth with it a couple times, it has now become my toothbrush. What if the other person just has like a weird thing on their lip? <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> You're always have, well, I'm, just, I'm just like, what if? What if they have a weird thing on their lip? I mean, it's like the person is who, there bleach in the house, the person, you know, <laughs> underwear. It's like you wouldn't say they're a dirty person and you wouldn't say this person's unclean. Sometimes Where's their underwear for a month, but you don't even know what the thing is on their lip. It could just be an ingrown hair. It could be yeah. a zit. It could be the herp. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> I know. I'd, well, then I would have to look for something stronger than just soap. But I would be looking to kill. I mean, I can throw the toothbrush in a microwave, Kev. And melt it. Well, it won't necessarily melt. If I do, it'll just kill the germs. You can throw the. Underwear in the microwave as well. Uh, and that's just going to make things crustier. Hot. Nice and hot when you put it on. I'm not wearing the underwear. Here's the thing. I, I don't know that I could, you know, like couples, like you could use your, you could use dad's toothbrush and you wouldn't want to, but it's like, okay, yeah. like we all well, have I'm the same be, germs. I mean, right? dad kisses me. I'm right. fine. Right. Same thought. Anybody else. Yeah. It just feels so intimate. The it bacteria yep. is in sure. there. It's growing. Yep. COVID, yeah. COVID, flu, it's all monkey there. pox. Oh, God. Never even thought about monkey pox. And I'm like, so all I have to do is put on fabric. All I have to do is put mm-hmm. on somebody's fabric. But right next to important parts of your body. But my question would be, how long do I have to put on that underwear for before it like becomes mine? Right? Like, is it after day three it's mine? Like, now no, all the stuff is mine? It's, it's never yours until it's well washed. I mean, if somebody gives you the underwear, here's what I do. Do you get to wash it? Here's I mean, what I do. You can just wash it, right? I don't bathe for a week. Yeah. And I piss my underwear <laughs> and I sometimes leave some doo doo in there. So now it's just all my stink. No, no, no. Wait, wait. If I can wash the toothbrush, mm-hmm. don't you get to wash the underwear? No. You don't get to wash any of these things. You're, this is the, the, well, the dirty tooth- underwear and use their toothbrush. Toothbrush has water, so I just turn on hot water. The day I brushed my teeth with hot water before. Yeah, because tap water burns out all that bacteria. <laughs> that was the one thing I remember reading about COVID. <laughs> if you just put your hands under tap water, they're totally clean. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would do underwear. I can't stick somebody else's thing from their mouth in my mouth. That's I'm going to do toothbrush for sure. Crazy town. Yeah, and then Deb died ten days later. <laughs> It was very sad. Kevin had a horrible rash, but Deb died 10 days later. Kevin had a rash. He couldn't get rid of the rest of his exactly. life. Would you rather fulfill your biggest wish or resolve your biggest regret? 
Oh, wow. That's deep, Kev. Yeah, thanks. Um, Needed to bring it back after the dirty undies. I'm trying to think, like, what is my biggest regret? Um, My biggest regret would be, like, writing a wrong with somebody, which would be more of just, like, a conversation. Like, hey, I was a jerk. I did bad things. Like, there's there's no, like, act that I genuinely ever regret doing. I regretted maybe how I handled myself during it, but, like, I never... regret doing the actual thing. Mm -hmm. I certainly regret having treated people poorly, right? Or having not been my best self in a relationship or a friendship or a dynamic. So if I was going to go back and resolve a a big regret, it would just be literally looking at somebody and be like, I wasn't the best version of myself. I did not handle myself well. You are absolutely entitled to think of me in this light for the rest of your time. But I hope you know I didn't like the way I handled it. You clearly didn't like the way I handled it. And and you need to know you were right. Yes, but I do think it depends on, I want to say the haunting of the regret. Because if I don't have regrets that are bubbling up for me every single day, though I do have regrets. I mean, well, I'm a human yeah, but being. I've been talking like the biggest regret. Right. I mean, then if it's not in my brain every day, if I'm not constantly thinking about it, or if there aren't triggers that bring it up and make me feel just kind of debilitatingly bad. Mm-hmm. If if none of that exists, then I want to say that my regrets are in the space of what you've just described is being a normal human being on the planet. Yep. Sometimes we're ill-behaved, sometimes we're not. But if my ill behavior caused someone's life to really careen right. off, off a path, sure. then that's an enormous regret, right? So, but I, I have to say, given... I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds like, hey, give me my biggest dream. That feels pretty selfish, too. Well, I think it's a litmus test of are you looking back or are you looking forward? I'm not really a look back guy. I, I think all, everything we've done, everybody we've interacted with, all the decisions we've made have brought us here to today. And assuming you're not strung out on meth or heroin. Assuming that today, well, and I say that all the time, assuming that I'm fairly happy with today. Which I am. Right. I'm not looking back. I I don't even know what my biggest wish would be. But if it was like, hey, you can go travel all over Europe and Scandinavia for six months, free of charge. I would prefer that than going and having like a 30-minute conversation apologizing to somebody who, who, that's just my thing. They might not even think about it, right? right? They might not even sit there and say, oh, you're right. This this like atones for, for what happened. They might be like, I don't even remember that. Well, I mean, so like, I'm just going to go travel. Well, also, too, you have to look at it. I mean, like your selfish travel thing is one thing. But I mean, if I can ma- wave a magic wand and make dad healthy and happy tomorrow, that's huge. That's bigger to me than any regret. Agreed. Right. Would you rather eat a whole jar of mayonnaise or a whole tub of butter? Ooh, real butter? Yeah, we can call it real butter. Mm. We can call it that. What's that Irish brand's butter? Carry. Carry butter. Carry gold. Yeah. Carry gold. Um, Mm, without anything on it. I think everybody would initially think mayonnaise. I think you can have longer staying power with butter. I agree. Than mayonnaise. I agree. One spoonful of mayonnaise, I will vomit everywhere. <laughs> well, here's everywhere. the thing. Like if I were making, okay. So soft. <laughs> so let me say this, because this is me. I don't hate mayonnaise. If I were making dad a sandwich, and let's say there were already some potato chips on the plate, making the sandwich, putting mayo and mustard on, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It would not be beyond me to take a chip 
and dip it in the mayonnaise. Disgusting. Not a big dip, just a little dip. Okay? I want to kill myself. Okay. So I know there are people like you that can't do that. That nope. would be horrible. Okay. Uh, but what's ironic is I like mayonnaise. It just has to be with something else. Right, right. But, okay, so think about this. Hot mayonnaise. Because I think I could do this. And I've never done it, but I think I could do it. So I think the butter needs to be cold. Oh, I was going to say make it warm and drink that tub. Oh, no, 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 no. I think the butter needs to be cold. And, and not ice cold, but, you know, I think it needs to be like you take a knife, you make a little baby curl. Mm-hmm. I think you can eat it then. If it's, I think Let you it can dissolve it. on your tongue. Yes, if it's good butter. Yeah. I think you can do that over and over and over again. Yeah. By the end, are you going to go, oh, crap? You are. Well, no, you're not going to crap, actually. <laughs> Ironically, the last thing you're going to do is crap after you eat butter. I know, I know. You will have diarrhea after you eat mayo, though. I think the mayo is too soft. I think the mayo, Ugh, looking gross. at the jar, I mean, just looking at the jar will kill you. I, I it would, uh, first spoonful, out. Maybe I that's know. what would happen. Maybe it's like, if the if the out in the claws is you, the second you puke, you're done eating, yeah. I would do the mayo. So, because it'd be one spoonful and I would gag. That white, soft, yeah. tangy, I, because I glass think like, jar. I mean, the fat content is the same, right? Probably. And I feel like butter's healthier for you. I feel like, I mean. Not that amount of butter. <laughs> exactly. But butter in general. Right. I like feel your like, body would be like, there's some nutrients in this. Well, there's some good hormones in good yeah. butter, right? You're dying either way shortly thereafter. Yeah, for sure. But I'm going with butter. All right, Deb. Would you rather sing your favorite song all by yourself in front of an arena full of people? No. Or would you rather sing your favorite song just in front of the original artist? Oh, no. <laughs> oh. oh. Because I'm happy, step along, and you feel like moving. Well, I do feel like Farrell would, uh, Pharrell would be nice. Yeah. He would be nice. So. Yeah. He would be nice. He'd be judgy, but he'd be nice. Would Bruno Mars be nice to me? Uh, I think he might laugh. Okay, that's okay. I think you'd get a good laugh. Good giggle. Yeah. How would Justin Timberlake be? Uh, a gentleman? I, I, I Listen, those all three of those guys. Yeah. You know, top line performers. Yeah. They all are showmen. They've all been doing this for forever. Yeah. So I think it would be totally awkward, but I think it would be <laughs> hilarious if a 68-year-old woman went in there snapping her fingers and tapping her foot and not really singing all the right lyrics to everything. I think you guys would have this beautiful bonding experience. I think the arena would turn on you in 20 seconds. <laughs> I'm dying over here. I think the arena yeah. would turn on you in 20 seconds. Mm. I think it would be horrible. <laughs> Nobody would know who you are. Nobody would get it. They would think oh. it was a joke until, like, remember that one comedian? The very first time I ever did comedy, he was so bad. You guys thought it was the comedy right, until right. He, he tipped his hand that he was actually really just struggling up there. Oh, that, that he, well, he forgot. Right. He forgot everything. That's what would happen to he you. Was, <laughs> I forgot about that guy. He was so funny. Yeah. He was so funny. He was bringing the house and down. We, In fact, weren't you right after when you were nervous? Because we were I laughing. I was too behind him. And I remember looking out the green room and being like, this guy's killing it. And we're all supposed to be first timers. And then. He went back to a joke. He went back to a joke and then, and he had notes, which wasn't, that wasn't a problem right. till we realized he really had no idea 
what he was talking about, and then the place went silent. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. That's what would happen to you in an arena. They'd <laughs> yeah. be like, is this like some kind of weird art, like modern art thing <laughs> where it's supposed to be bad? And then Deb would have forgot a lyric and she'd be <laughs> snapping like, oh, no, it's bad, bad. It's bad. I think you could have a bonding moment. Plus, who doesn't want to hang out with like Bruno Mars or Justin Timberlake or Pharrell? Like, like one-on-one, yeah. right? You go up there and you're like, I just need you to know this. It's going to be the worst performance you've ever seen in your entire <laughs> and life. I love you. Yeah, and, and I, I think, think you're, you're amazing. amazing. Yeah. So just bear down for this next three and a half minutes. But I don't think Adam Levine would be that nice. Well, he does get paid to judge people. Yeah, that's true. That's I think true. I think all of those artists would be nicer than a ornery 20,000 person arena. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm doing one-on-one for sure. Just to keep my humiliation limited, for right? sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Without question. Well, I, and then you get to meet them and here's the deal. Are they going to remember you forever? Forever in for sure. a day. For sure. Hey, Deb. <laughs> Worst singer in the world. Worst singer I've ever seen. Exactly. Would you rather have to wear a bib every time you go out to eat dinner? Or would you rather drink from a sippy cup every time you're at a bar? So when you go to a restaurant, any restaurant, fine dining, bib style. Yeah. And when you go to a bar, high class Mm. artisan cocktail bar. Yeah. um, Can you just put that in a sippy cup, please? (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think, you know... Like I've been to, a and it's couple. not like a cool bib. Well, I was just gonna say, no, it's not a cool bib. <laughs> is it like got a lobster on it or something? Yeah, is it it's plastic. A, it, it's like it's either a plastic that bib that you tie, <laughs> or it's like a baby bib that has a little pocket in it, so it c- catches your food. I'm gonna go with the sippy cup. You're gonna make them put it in a sippy cup. Yep, I don't even care. I. I was at a cocktail bar and part of the things that I really like about cocktail bars is like all the different glassware because it's part of the drink, yes, right? Yes, of course. I'd say, give me that bib. What? Because here's the thing. I'm never going to get anything on it because I'm not a messy eater. You're going to look like a dork. Every picture, you have a little kid bib on Big thumbs up. Everybody's going to think I, did, I participated in some food eating competition. Oh my God. I, 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 I don't think you can look at somebody and say... Hey, like, I would like this old sippy cup. Yeah, I'd like this old fashioned. Can you put this in my He-Man sippy cup, yeah, please? Yeah, well, I or my my unicorn sippy cup, right? I I think that's harder because you don't actually have to interact with anybody by just putting on your bib. You just put on your bib, and then you eat your food, and it's fantastic, and you immediately take your bib off. Could just, you put that red wine in the sippy cup? Because what if you want two or three cocktails? They gotta they gotta clean out your sippy cup. <laughs> I could bring. <laughs> I could bring a variety of sippy cups. Oh, just, don't worry. Say, I'm going to have at least five cocktails, and I got five freshly cleaned <laughs> sippy cups. It's Michelangelo, Donatello, Leonardo, <laughs> Raphael, and Master Splinter. Michelangelo's for the white wine. Yeah. Donatello's for the red wine, right? Yep. And then this is for the cocktail after dinner. Just That's remember. more psychotic. Yeah. That's more psychotic than just throwing on a bib at a Michelin star restaurant. I'm going restaurant. with the sippy cup. Bib. Sippy cup. And Deb can walk in with her <laughs> baby Bjorn full full of sippy cups. Last one, just because I thought it would be funny. Would you rather speak only in a baby voice or only be spoken to in a baby oh, voice? Oh, what's so wrong, Debwap? You're not happy today with this question? Oh, my God. Kevin. Here's the thing. If I only spoke in a baby voice, uh-huh. you'd kill me on day one in the first 10 minutes. I don't like speaking to babies right. in a baby voice. Right. I think it's hilarious to speak to them normally. So like when people are just like 
goo goo guying. I'm like, yeah. no, this is why kids are stupid because <laughs> you treat them like they're stupid for far too long. Yeah. At the point that they have like cognitive like uh, abilities, yeah. it's like you, you could make all your poo poo in your pant pants. You go go poo poo in your pant pants. I'm like, why are you even asking them if they pooped in their I pants? I can't hear you do that all day. You go poo poo. <laughs> you go pee pee in your so- pant pants. <laughs> Say so that's what would happen to you. No, 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 no. This is what would happen. Say an adult thing, not a pee pee pee. Uh, uh, this is what I would say. This would uh, take big crap in those pants? No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is- Did you go poo poo in those pants? Talk to me about a business subject. In oh, so <laughs> this would it be like. So if if you're in a team meeting- Yeah, yeah. And you were speaking baby to everybody, you'd right. be like, oh, Mr. Zeno, I got to go poo poo real quick. <laughs> I, oh I just God. went pee-pee in my type type. I got to go real quick. Oh or it would be like God. this. You would raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Mrs. Zeno, what would you like to say? <laughs> I couldn't do it. But I couldn't do it either. You this have to make impossible. other people speak to you as a baby. This is impossible. You have to make other people speak to you as a baby. I would Because be your pride, you'd look at me and be like, listen, I know that we have to do this. Yeah. This is what we signed up for. This yeah. is part of the job requirement. Yeah. But I'm not speaking like that. Yeah, I can't. And they'd be like, are you sure? Yeah. And you'd be like, no, I can't speak like I that. I mean, how do you say to somebody, I'm really unhappy with your performance? <laughs> Like that, you'd be like, "Well, they can't be that upset." Yeah, or you say to a lawyer, "Like, I'm sorry, but my client's not going to do that." Mm, Yeah, yeah. We don't feel comfortable with it. Oh, I think I forgot my work at home. (laughs) I gotta go home real quick. That's not gonna work. (laughs) Deb walking into a bar, laying out her sippy cups. I would like four glasses of wine, please. And make this one an espresso martini. Yeah, I want that one in Donatello. I want yeah. that one right there, please. Thank oh you so my much. God, I'm is... an adult with a big checking account. <laughs> that is a great would you rather. I agree. All right, Deb, let's wind this podcast up. Why don't you tell us what you're thankful for this week? So my thankful is going to be a little bit, uh, it's a little bit of a story. Okay. We were recently, spent an evening in West Virginia with some people we know. Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Very good. Thank you. And uh, they have two darling kids. They do. Who are a riot. Who love to talk. <laughs> who love to talk. <laughs> Big talkers. And uh, th- these kids remember everything. Like the little boy who's five believes I was married to Johnny Cash. Yep. Came out wearing his Johnny Cash shirt for me. Jimmy, and that was all like so cool. Yep. And we've all agreed that we're never going to tell him the truth. Yeah. Do you he, know what I mean? He's Far too smart for his age. Right, exactly. He's far too smart. So I was indeed, Lennon, if you're out there, I was married to Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. And I love for you to keep the story alive, baby. Yeah. But Gaslight everybody. Did you realize that Lennon kept calling you Keb? Keb. So Deb and Keb. Deb and Keb. So he says- uh, well, I, Official rebrand. We just announced it. The Deb and Keb podcast. <laughs> I got a text from his mom yesterday. And he said, and you'll know this, Keb left his umbrella here. <laughs> I did. I left the hotel's umbrella at their house. And the best part is we corrected him no less than 10 times. Yeah. And it's K-E-B. It's K-E-B-I-N, Kevin. It's what it's going to be forever. Yep. And uh, so the mom said, is this actually Kevin's uh, umbrella or should we turn it, return it to the hotel? I said, but return it to the hotel, yeah, please. Or because keep it, whatever. It actually says the hotel yeah, on it. You it's know? a really nice umbrella. Um, but they've got, uh, there's, there's a couple of things I'm grateful for. They've got this darling little boy who is brilliant and so well-spoken and his dad is very musical 
and teaches him all the words to songs of like our generation. Yep. And when I was a young boy, my father. And he sings them. I mean, mm-hmm. he does a great job. And then we've got this wonderful little beautiful redhead, wild as can be in the best of ways. Oh, yeah. She's a banshee. She is a banshee. She is spirited. We don't want that to ever change. Olive is a darling. But their dad, for dinner, made dinner for us one night, and he foraged chanterelle mushrooms on their property. Sure did. They are gorgeous. It was one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, side note. If you know Kevin, the only thing in the world he doesn't like is... Oh, I was going to say something bad. Mushrooms. Mushrooms, okay? And they asked me, and I said he doesn't like mushrooms, but I said, let's see. Yeah. If you if mushrooms had not been in the top of that soup, would you have been fine with it? For sure. It was so good. It was delicious. And, and it was beautiful. And it was absolutely gorgeous. It was amazing. So I am so grateful for that whole evening. I'm grateful for the parents. I'm grateful for the food. I'm grateful for Lennon. I'm grateful for Olive. And I mean, just the best time ever. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like in a relationship. That's what I'm thankful for. Yeah. Is that weird? It's not not weird. It's not weird being in a relationship, especially with this person. And by the way, I I, I, the, I don't feel like I should. There is an element of this is a public thing that you and I do, right? And it's going out to tens of yeah. millions of people. Yeah. And so I try to hold on to the anonymity of the other people in our world. Yeah. Dad has no choice. He has to be yeah, affiliated yeah. with this podcast. He's, he's in. There are other friends who have said that they want to be a part of this podcast. But there is a piece of me that says my personal relationship should kind of remain personal in its infancy. Well, for a while. Even though she in no way cares. Like yeah. at all. She has already said, of course you can talk about me. I don't care. But there's a piece of me that says like maintain some anonymity with it. Right, that's what I'm saying to myself. Well, because it once you she doesn't the deserve the huge spotlight that we receive. <laughs> right, she doesn't deserve all the paparazzi chasing her down, all the email. For her, dating me is very much like winning the lottery. A lot of people <laughs> coming much. at her from a thousand very different much. angles. Yeah, but uh, she's an amazing human being. I am tickled to death every time I get to spend with her. She is so sweet. She is so kind. You've actually known her longer than I have because you know who are in a professional setting. And the best thing is you have these beliefs of her because of the professional setting. And so when you speak about her, they just couldn't be more wrong. It's, it's never not amusing your interpretation of her, which is true to you because that's how you knew her versus what she's actually like. It's hilarious. Well, I just hope she's tough. Tough as nails with you. Tougher than me. Is she? For sure. Calls me out on all of my stuff. I like that. And not like in a demeaning, I just want to like be in authority way. Like, hey, we've promised each other this. This is how we're going to act. And I'm going to hold you accountable for acting a certain way. Which, let's be honest. Better than I could do. Good luck, sweetheart. All I've ever needed is constant accountability in my life. Exactly. And so she's amazing. She's fantastic. She's listened to this podcast well before we were ever anything. She's a diehard. She thoroughly enjoys you and dad. Somehow she likes me. So this is like, like bigger than an Instagram announcement. It's a podcast announcement. Yeah. It's a, it's a soft podcast launch. Soft podcast. I like that. Um, well, listen, I think she is an amazing woman. I think she's uh, smart. I think she's articulate. 
I think she's got a great sense of humor. I do think at the core of it, like, you know, somebody said something to me about the two of you. I said, listen, this girl's already figured it out. All she needs to do is laugh at his jokes mm-hmm. and she's got him. I she, mean, that's about it. I mean, I don't, I don't even, know that it takes much more than that. She thinks you're, I mean, she genuinely thinks you're funny. As do most people. Well, <laughs> most everybody. Yeah. Not I everybody. have awards that say so. Not everybody. There's awards downstairs. But this girl thinks you're hysterical. And the other thing is, I actually think she likes you more than she likes me. Well, pfft. I mean, there is a piece to me that says, she's a 10, but she likes your mom more than she likes you. <laughs> yeah. Makes her like a 12. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. She, she says to herself, okay, if I have to deal with Kevin to get access to Deb, yeah. that's the cross that she's willing to bear. Well, and good for her. Good for her. Smart. I mean, it's smart. It's very smart. Very smart. Yeah. So here's the thing I want to say to you, Kev. Uh-huh. Mother to son. Oh, okay. As long as you are happy mm-hmm. and as long as you are behaving in a way that will make me proud and mm-hmm. make you proud, yeah. you have my blessing for anything. Thanks. All right? Appreciate that. Yep. I don't know if it matters. Certainly doesn't. But, you know, you have it. Because here's what I know. I would never bring anybody around that I didn't think you would like. That hasn't always been the case. <laughs> <laughs> We've been through that. We've been down that Many road. Many a time. We've been down that road. You marry a village, whatever that saying it's is true. or whatever it is. And she does come from a literal village. Yeah, there we go. She's Romanian. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Deb, what's for dinner? So I had at a restaurant at a bar recently a very good Cobb salad. Oh, yeah. Which then made me say, why don't I make Cobb salad at home? Love a Cobb salad. And so I'm going to make my version of a beautiful Cobb salad, Uh and we're going to have that, and we'll show it. Ugh. Especially because it's so hot right now. We don't need to be cooking anything. I agree. Just make some Cobbies. Yeah. So it's good Cobb salad. In the salad game, we call them Cobbies. Is that what we call them? No, I mean, I don't know if you're in the salad game. That's what me and my salad people. The salad people. Yeah. Yeah. Ensalada homies is what we call ourselves. Oh, the ensalada homies. Cobbies. Yeah. Okay. Well, hit me with that cobby, chef. Okay. I like it. I so like it. Hit me with that with cobby, a, Deb. With a good ranch. With a great ranch. Yeah. Ranch is key. What else is key is ending this podcast because we are going so long. So that is going to do it for this Monday's episode of the Deb and Kev podcast. Remember to like, rate, and review wherever you listen to this podcast, as well as follow us on all of our social channels at Deb and Kev pot mom are you sure you didn't win the lottery honey i'm pretty sure i didn't oh fine i still love you to death i love you we'll see you guys on thursday thank you for listening to the deb and kev podcast remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast follow deb and kev on facebook and on instagram and twitter at deb and kev pod